I have a confession to make. Um, my, my confession is this. When, when I read, read uh, Paul's words about Abraham today, I want to kind of argue with him. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't read this section of Scripture from Romans and hear Paul's description of the great faith of Abraham without saying, yeah, but Paul, don't you remember? I mean, listen to this. He said, he did, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in, the faith, in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Really? My first reaction is, did Paul ever read Abraham's story? Um, are we just supposed to ignore the uh, times when Abraham lied about his relationship to Sarah? When he, because he was fearful that he would be killed by those who would seek to take his life, to take her from, from him? Are we supposed to overlook Ishmael? His son, who he fathered with Sarah's maidservant, Hagar? Because it seemed more reasonable. A more reasonable solution than a child being born to an 86-year-old man and a 75-year-old wife who had never had any children at the time when Ishmael was born. How can we honestly remember those stories and still say he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body or the barrenness of Sarah's womb? <laughs> of course, the reality that hits me is that as much as I want to argue with Paul, I don't actually think or believe that Paul was unaware of Abraham's story. I don't actually believe that I know Abraham's story better than the Apostle Paul did. I'm quite certain it's probably the opposite. And since I don't believe that that is the case, I'm forced to consider that Paul writes what he writes because Paul sees those parts of Abraham's story much differently than I do. I see them as places where Abraham's faith weakened. Where, but Paul says emphatically, oh no, it didn't. Oh no, it didn't. So how can this be? It seems pretty clear that Abraham got the plan wrong in all of these instances. It seems pretty clear that Abraham chose to do what truly wasn't what 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 wasn't truly what God had in mind. And in most of these instances, it seems pretty clear that Abraham thought he knew a more prudent way uh, to accomplish what God had promised. Hold on to that thought for a moment. 
because it's from that place that I want us to shift gears a bit and go to the gospel story for today, where we see another uh, glaringly beautiful representation of faith and trust in a God who we believe in with all that we are. In this story in our gospel today, uh, we drop into a conversation. We drop into the conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And we drop into it at the time when Jesus is revealing his plan of how he will be the Messiah. And that plan goes like this. The Son of Man will, will, be, will suffer and will be turned over to the chief priests and the scribes and will be uh, killed and on the third day he will rise again. It's at that point that, uh, that Peter steps in. Now this is the same Peter that just a few verses before, if you were to uh, not just read the lectionary portion that we read today, but go back to the paragraph before, you'll see that uh, Jesus had asked the disciples another question. He'd asked them, who do the people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And it's this same Peter that stood up among the uh, disciples at that point and said, you are the Messiah. It's right after that confession of faith. You are the Messiah. We know who you are. We believe in you. We trust you. We are following you because we believe that you are the Messiah that we've been looking for. That's, that's Peter's confession. And right on the heels of that, Jesus goes on to say, all right, this is what Messiah means. Suffering, ridicule, rejection, death, New life. At that point, the same Peter who said, you're the Messiah, um, has some other words for Jesus. <laughs> he calls him aside. Jesus, come over here. Come over here for a second. This plan of yours is not the way to be the Messiah. <laughs> Translation, let me help you out. I have a better plan for you, Jesus. I, I know how to accomplish what you're looking to do. Sound familiar? <laughs> At that point, Jesus interrupts him. As Peter is correcting Jesus' path, Jesus corrects Peter. It's a little sharper, right? Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on the things, not on divine things, but on human things. So I have a question for you. Did Peter's faith weaken when he stepped out and tried to make the promise of Messiah happen in the way that he expected it to go? He, like Abraham, obviously chose a course that Jesus was not interested in taking. It's tempting to think of these kinds of stories. It's tempting to think that they are stories of a lack of faith, of, of a failure of our faith. But they aren't presented that way. Not by Paul, 
and not even by Jesus here when he says, get behind me, Satan. Because he tells him what? Get behind me. And it's from behind that he calls him to follow. He goes on to talk about what it means to follow. Take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Peter's part of that group. Jesus doesn't throw him out, even though he calls him Satan. He says, you've got this wrong in your brain. You've made it, you've got the wrong course. And he said it to Abraham time and time again. The promise that we have in Genesis today to Abraham comes, uh, and, and you might notice that there's a whole section of verses that we skip over in between verse 7 and verse 15. That section of verses, uh, as Christians, we skip over um, because uh, there's stuff that we don't really pay much attention to. One, it's the sign of, circumcision as the sign of the covenant well we have a different sign our sign of the covenant is the sign of baptism and so uh, we just skip over that part and the other part is where Abram says but isn't Ishmael enough can't we just make this promise happen through my son Ishmael who presumably is standing right beside Abraham as as this promise is reiterated and God says what No, that's when God shifts to verse 15, where God says, no, look at Sarah, Sarah, your wife. She will no longer be Sarah, she will be Sarah, because she is the one in whom I am going to continue this promise. As unbelievable as that was to Abraham, Abraham trusted God's promise. But God reiterated that promise to say, I know you think you're trying to help, Abraham, but I can do more than you imagine. I think the same thing happens to Peter here when Jesus says, this is the plan, this is the course, and Peter says, no, 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 (laughs) that is not a good idea, Jesus. This is not what we signed up for. This isn't what we want. There's a lot better way to go about this. Just listen to me, and I will show you. And Jesus says, no, you don't see the big picture. You don't get it. You're missing it. Get behind me. I'll show you something you can't even imagine. You see, because faithfulness is not about doing the right thing. That's righteousness. Faithfulness is not the same as righteousness. Faithfulness is not about doing the right thing, but today's story of faith, Abraham, Sarah, and Peter, they all tell us otherwise. Faithfulness, all of them got it wrong in terms of doing the right thing, but they all showed great faith because faithfulness involves believing in something enough To work for its success. Faithfulness involves believing in the promise enough to say, I'm going to work to make this happen. And Abram and Sarah and Peter all do this. And yes, they all get it wrong. 
And you know what? Faithfulness often does get it wrong. Not just for Abraham, Peter, and Sarah, but for you and for me as well. And you know what Jesus says? When our faithfulness, our stepping out to make this happen, to say, I, I see where you're going, God, and I'm going to run ahead, and, and look, this is going to be great, and this is where we're going to go. And, and when that's going well, Jesus is there to cheer us on with the community of faith. But when we start running ahead and we don't see what we're doing and we don't quite understand as well as we think we do, what does Jesus need to say? Get behind me. You're missing it. I have a different path in mind. Get behind me. You're not seeing what's most important here. You're fixated on what matters to you, but not what matters to God. Get behind me. That's the easy way. <laughs> You're choosing the easy path. We can do more than what you're imagining. It isn't about easy. It's about new life, a way that you can't even see yet. Get behind me. I know this is scary. But let me show you the way. Get behind me, Jesus says. Faithfulness isn't, never has been, about getting it right. Faithfulness is about being willing to be wrong and hearing the correction. Faithfulness is about leaning into the promise. So much that sometimes when we lean so far forward into that promise, we fall straight on our face. And Jesus says, come on, get behind me. Stepping out and going for it, even though we will often end up saying or doing the wrong thing. Living with faith compels us to go for the promise. And when we inevitably get, a, get off course, to be willing to be corrected. To get behind Jesus again. To do the hard work of saying, all right, I got that one wrong. But I'm with you still, Jesus. And I still trust in your promise and your way and who you are. That's why Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. So dear friends, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be wrong. 
Don't be afraid to make some mistakes. You're in good company. You should count it, uh, you should count it a pure honor to be included with the names of Abraham, Sarah, and Peter, who all screwed up majorly. And they're not the only ones. And Jesus, Jesus didn't say they messed up because they weren't faithful. He said they messed up because they were. And their faithfulness, their faithfulness allowed them to take those mistakes of judgment and continue into a new life. A life that is found by running ahead and fall and then getting behind. At the beginning of this uh, sermon, I put up the uh, graphic I do of this, uh, this uh, week's graphic is, is this title of Get Behind Me. And it, and it shows... Yeah, the, this little girl with her dog, right? Who, we used to go on walks with my black lab uh, that we had when uh, we lived in a previous place. And goodness, uh, when, we, when we first got that lab, if you've ever tried to walk a black lab, um, they, they don't like to walk behind you. <laughs> they like to walk in front of you. You have the leash. You're con- you're sort of controlling where they're going, but it doesn't always look that way, does it? I think our faith with Jesus is much that way. Sometimes I'm running ahead, and I'm like, Jesus, come over here, you got to see this, this is going to be great. And, and, uh, and sometimes Jesus is just pleased as can be to come along and to say, yes, You're seeing it. You're getting it. This is great. This is what I've been looking for. But sometimes Jesus is like, don't go over there. And I'm still convinced that it's the right thing to do, aren't I? Aren't you? It gets hard when when we get into that tug of war of who's leading who. It's not always fun to be corrected. I'm sure, I'm sure Peter didn't enjoy this moment as well as he enjoyed the moment when he said, you are the Messiah, and Jesus went on to say, yes. <laughs> well, let me tell you what that means. That was a much better moment for Peter than get behind me. But here's the thing. Peter's faith grew more when he got behind me when he got behind Jesus, when he got put back to where he was following than it did when he ran ahead in his own plan. Abraham's faith was strengthened when he said, what about Ishmael? And God said, Ishmael's fine, but my promise is to Sarah. And the child that they bore together becomes an even deeper and more profound place of faith in the one they had trusted all along. So don't be afraid to step out 
to run ahead. But don't be surprised when Jesus stops you in your tracks and says, get behind me. It's not a bad place to be. And it's the only place where we can be led to the new life God has in store for us all. Amen.